welcome, bienvenue, to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we are developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. So both fantasy tools posted nine one weeks. How are you feeling what? about that? <laughs> <laughs> that is so fake on my account that it's not even funny. It's like a Bojack Horseman. Just what perfect storm? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little Bojack Horseman there. Uh, yeah, I um, I'm not feeling good about that nine one. I almost feel bad. You almost feel bad. <laughs> I almost feel bad. Do you remember the beginning of Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, when the Vanessa Fembot blows up? <laughs> yes. And Austin Powers is like, his like pajamas are blown off, <laughs> and he's looking in disarray, and then he grabs his junk, and he's like, oh, thank God. I <laughs> saw the news about Rendon that he was going off, and I was like, oh, my God, this is, my week is, my week is over. And then I looked Rendon was on the bench against me. Yep. On the bench against me. Yep. I don't know if I should feel good or bad about that. You, but, I, I oh know, that's gosh. amazing. I, I was thinking that too. Because like I got an alert at when it was two home runs and nine RBIs. Like, whoa, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, that's a dangerous week already, yeah. But I just grabbed my junk said, oh, thank God. And went about my business. 9-1. Yours was a little bit better, but still not really. You kind of overproduced, though, this week as well. Not the most legit. I think I think I overproduced in, in some spots. I mean, that's, again, not to belabor a point and a point that I'll make a little bit later. But uh, my team sort of met my projections for average uh, runs and stolen bases, which is all I want to do. Yep. No, they, that's, that's what they did. All right, we got a little we got a little shoot around here. We already talked about Rendon and how you dodged it, and you you texted me over the weekend or this morning actually asking if it pained me that Ryan Zimmerman, who was a Wrath of Khan stalwart for years, if it oh, yeah, if it just was. hurts me that he's killing it after I kept him in you know a couple of his atrocious years, and uh, the answer is yes. It does. It pains me greatly. Yeah, the man, well, the man always warranted being kept if you were to overlook his injury. So on mm-hmm. a per-game basis, he's been amazing. He's been a fantasy, like, uh, god on a per-game basis over the last, like, half decade. But, oh my god, you can't, like, survive having him. Because he's on the DL constantly. Yeah, you really can't. I, maybe the ten day DL will will do him well. You know, like he probably oh, yeah. he probably never really needed fifteen days, but if he was going to be out for ten, you know, may as well bring somebody onto the roster, get something there. Yeah, exactly. And then what about what do you think about um, Mr. Thames? I think that Bernie Brewer should enjoy his rides down the slide while they last. 
<laughs> oh, man, Colin. <laughs> I like the direct reference. Yeah, the Thames. Who knows how long the Thames will flow? Um, <laughs> oh. Eric Thames. I it, like. I heard this story over the winter that like Eric Thames is going to be coming back from from Korea, where he was doing amazingly well. All I could think about was like I had like two weeks of him while he was on the Blue Jays at one point, you know, on whatever side of the platoon he was on. And he killed it for me one week. And then I think he got like four at bats the next week. And that's all my memory <laughs> could have of him. And like I'm you you poo pooed Mr. Thames uh to the, the guy who ended up picking him up and I think that, that maybe Mr. Thames heard you. I was merciless during the draft about it. Yeah. I I mean, you know, I've read I've read countless think pieces about how like you can see the change in his in his pitch by pitch data in Korea. I come on. I don't I don't fully believe that. That said, if Corey Dickerson goes to Korea and comes back, I'm going to ride him so hard. You're picking him up. Oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I got you. All right, this week on the pod, Eric is going to talk about machine learning 101, break out some fancy new algorithms, and I am going to maybe complete the last of our 5x5 statistics with batting average. Take it away, Eric. All right. Hey, MP, I've got a joke for you. K means what? Oh, get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, it's time for some machine learning. Let's unleash the clustering algorithms. I I can't take you seriously now. Why are you doing this to me? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you love it. (laughs) Uh, One of my stated goals for season one of the pod is feeling out some data reduction algorithms, seeing through the sea of stats to see some players are to see how some players are similar. Um, data reduction and dimensional reduction algorithms are common tools for data mining. Um, one of my favorite such methods is k-means clustering, a computational method which aims to partition n observations into k clusters, in which each observation belongs to the cluster with the nearest mean, serving as a prototype of the cluster. All right, MP, let's stop there for a tick. Go ahead and grab your soapbox, clear your throat, and let us know how you really feel about computational methods. Get out of here with your machine learning. That's, that's not going to stand in this pod unless you're particularly convincing. It just doesn't belong in science. The problem with machine learning, here's the soapbox part. Okay, here we go. This is what I was waiting for. The problem with machine learning is that there is no way to quantify the errors. Mm, yep. So you, okay, I so got you, you don't know exactly what you're getting out. You have no way to measure your certainty. So I have a hard time trusting things that I can't see where it keeps its brain, and I feel that way about machine learning. Again, we are early in the season, so this work is more of an appetizer than a full dish. But I wanted to spend some time exploring the method, k-means clustering, in the computational tool in Python. All right, so this is going to be my first foray on GitHub and the Jupyter Notebooks, so um, bear with me. These are going to come up later this week. But um, a couple of key takeaways on the method. Um, 
I really like doing summary statistics at the start of any kind of method like this. And it was really helpful for me to graph these relationships out. So like runs to, um, I'm doing this k-means clustering on hitters. So mm -hmm. I was looking at runs to um, RBIs. I was looking at runs to stolen bases, you know, all the combinations that you could get. So I ended up with seven clusters. Um, I want to step back a little bit. Have you done k-means clustering, Mike? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I got it. And uh, so, I mean, the K is, is you know, however many clusters you want. So, you know, as Mike mentioned, it is supervised learning. So you do separate this out into logical bins. Um, just the K is however many bins you want. So seven, I looked at, you know, two bins and then went all the way up to um, 10 bins. And seven, I really felt like separated this out into enough logical enough logical sections that it I was able to tell a bit of a story without kind of slicing up the data too much. So I was really hoping to, I was really hoping to get to the point where I could see like some real groupings. And I guess I might as well, you know, I might as well get into this. Mike, unfortunately you haven't had a chance to look at these results, so I'll have to describe them. So imagine, if you will, a runs are on the x-axis. RBIs are the y-axis, and we've got the distribution of players across mm -hmm. that. So you have a nice little, it's a somewhat linear relationship, but you have definite uh, variation around that, around that line. So we've got seven different categories. I, I will go through these clusters. I have named them some pretty funny oh. things. Um, well, they're all Game of Thrones things. So it's just the top four players. So I'm calling these the White Walkers, merciless, overpowering killers. So the aforementioned Ryan Zimmerman and Eric Thames, Thames whatever we want to, want to call that, and as you guessed, Bryce Harper. Uh -huh. And then do you know who the, the fourth outlier, the, the White Walker outlier is? On the, on the runs and RBI plane. I hope he's on my team, but I don't think he is. No, 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 no. Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge, not surprising, is killing it, is killing it. Okay, so they're the ones who are at the, you know, these are guys who have, um, let me say, I have, I have these averages somewhere. These guys are averaging 26 runs, 10 home runs, and 24 RBIs. Low on the stolen base total, mm -hmm. but, you know, we can forgive them. <laughs> All right, so then the next group I'm going to go to, so there are two groups then who are a little bit like farther down that, that um, linear model. Um, there are ones who are a little bit higher, so a little bit more RBIs than mm -hmm. runs, mm -hmm. and the ones that have a, a couple more runs and RBIs. Which one do you want to talk about first? Tell me about the guys with more RBIs. The guys with more RBIs. All right, great. So what do they call these? The Lannisters. Oh, I like it. Powerful, but not well-rounded, um, and mostly surprising. So well, these guys are labeled in yellow on my graph, so that's partly why they ended up being <laughs> Lannisters. <laughs> With their golden locks. Okay, so these are the players that are, are just killing it with the RBIs. Um, not quite as... Uh, 
devastatingly embarrassing on the runs totals. Mm-hmm. But these are the guys that you kind of pointed out in your RBI summary. Um, and these are actually mostly surprising guys. So we've got Chris Owings. We've got Mark mm-hmm. Reynolds. We've got Jake Lamb. Will Myers is in here, which is interesting because this points out that he does not have the stolen base total that you were thinking that he was going to have. Uh, Daniel Murphy, Daniel Murphy, Jose Ramirez, Avisel Garcia, Joey Votto. These are Miguel Sano, Let It Snow. Um, this is a fun group of guys who are, quite frankly, they're mashers. And the question is whether they're going to keep it up. You know, you have some stalwarts in here, the Joey Vados, who shouldn't even be in this category, uh, but we'll talk about that more. But the Marcelo Zuna, Nomar Mazzaria, mm-hmm. Mazzara, who it's, you know, it's interesting to see if they're going to continue this. I mean, we talked about Chris Owings. I think he, he was one of my sleeper picks at the beginning of the year. Yeah, no, and and we talked about Jose Ramirez many, many times off the air because we, we did. didn't want to overhype him, and he is just going crazy no this is a this is a fun group but i'm a little (laughs) cautious with these guys so tell me about the other group are they are they less fun they're they are less fun because they're the um they're they're in red so a little bit higher on the run total a little bit more evenly dispersed more closer to five tool players these are the blue chippers these are the unsullied let's call them i like it so you were talking about Mike Trout earlier. Well, this is the group where Mike Trout ends mm-hmm. up falling. Because he's not, I mean, he's not the number one fantasy player this year right now. Right. He's just like, just killing it, consistent. So Mike Trout, Yeah, he'll, fix, he'll fix that soon enough, but. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mike Trout, Freddie Freeman, Paul Goldschmidt, Ryan Braun, um, Anthony Rizzo, Nolan Arenado. I mean, these are the wow. guys. <laughs> that that is a blue chipper list. <laughs> Jeez, Christian Christian Yelich. Oh yes, Francisco Lindor, Chris Bryant, and then we've we've got some interesting names here and here. Nick Castellanos, mm-hmm. Carlos Santana, mm-hmm. your buddy Addison Russell, Jay He's Bruce. And who's been turning it around? I don't want to say this too loud, so maybe I should whisper, Mike. <laughs> Justin Upton. Yeah, you you definitely don't want him to hear you. <laughs> I don't I don't want him to hear me that I'm believing <laughs> in him. All right, so we got. Let me quickly go through the the next group down. There's similar similarly. There are two kind of. There's a split of the ones who have more RBIs to runs and the ones who have more runs to RBIs. Um, we've got, uh, the Dornishman speedy, mm-hmm. but not enough runs to offset lack of power. So unfortunately, Mr. L Tuve is in there, but you know, these are the guys that you're focusing on this year. Um, Mike. Yeah. So AJ Pollock, Jose L Tuve, Jacoby Ellsbury, Chase Headley, Brandon Phillips, and David Peralta. I mean, these are the, the keystones mm. of the Dornishman. But, uh, you know, you'll see this list, and maybe you're going to find a couple of players that you should should focus on. And then we've got in magenta here, we've got the Northmen. So this has uh, Corey Dickerson, Michael Conforto, Mike Moustakis, uh, Matt Kemp, Justin Turner, Adam Jones. You know, 
that kind of guy. <laughs> Yasiel Puig. <laughs> yeah, okay, we get the idea. That kind of guy. And then what's interesting then from there is that we have in cyan, one of your favorite colors, mm-hmm. uh, we've, we've got the players who are really on the cusp. I call them the wildlings because they're hard to understand. Um, some talent that isn't showing, some old old hats who are uh, who are platoons and never going to be great, but um, we're going to see a lot of movement in these players. These players could end up being in the Unsullied by the end of the season, Unsullied or in the Lannister cast by the end of the season, but they could also be in the final group, the Night's Watch, Bummer. those who are bereft of talent. Those who should not be owned. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, it's a little judgy on the Night's Watch, but uh, okay. I mean, come on, they haven't had enough men to man the walls for thousands of years. <laughs> Good point. All right, so takeaways: K-means clustering is an imperfect method. MP is sort of right here. I like the method because it puts names together you don't expect. But the algorithm and the algorithm did a nice job of highlighting the um, positive outliers, the blue chippers, and the playable runs steals folks. Um, but it's up to us to sort out who took the black this year and predict which direction the wildling clans will head mm. um, to fantasy relevance, continual replacement production, or into one of the plus categories you know it sounds like we're kind of in agreement with this k-means clustering i think we should definitely use this more in the future and see if we can um, tease out more than kind of like providing anecdotes for what we already understand and believe all right now you've you've sold me on giving it a shot i am i will keep an open mind good as you know from listening to this podcast, we do watch other sports. So here's a little bit of a reflection on some of the graphics. The thing that was not a good looking part of the series was we have to get away from the animated 3D NBA logos. Yes, let's let's please stop that. <laughs> that let's that, go back to 2D. That trend has to stop. Although I haven't seen the Salt Lake City Jazz 3D logo. Is that something that I want to see? Uh, no, it's just as bad as the rest of them. Oh, okay. I mean, it's a... It's a it's it's a music note that has like a <laughs> rainbow coming out of its butt. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> so I saved the stat that I thought about the most preseason for last, and I turned it accidentally into a two-parter. I think after I couldn't quite get to the oh, bottom boy. of cracking average batting average forecasting in one week. You can't, man. This week we're gonna deal with the denominator of the ratio statistic and the denominator for batting average is of course at bats now oh wow i'm not going to bore you to death with this this <laughs> this point in the evening but there's plenty of mathematical reason to question thinking simply about the denominator or how to average your team together and i would point you if you are just so masochistic that you want to see the math to a, the article on github for a review Okay, But batting average as a whole for individual players is more stable, is a more stable ratio stat solely, at least compared to pitching stats like ERA and WHIP that we were talking about before, simply by virtue of the sample sizes involved. Guys are getting many more plate appearances than pitchers have innings or even batters faced. 
during the course of a season. Right. So I think that there's some inherent... So the reason this is all to say that I'm not going to look at individual players' average in depth today, we're going to spend a little bit more time in the weeds trying to forecast at-bats. Sorry. Uh, that said, still going to think a little bit about batting average. Uh, league average is 269. And what I was a little bit surprised by is that the standard deviation, this pretty wide distribution, is 0.027 or 27 as we mostly think about it. So let's put that in context. This means two-thirds mm-hmm. of the guys are between 242 and 296. Does that make sense? Does that feel right to you? Man, that is... I, I mean, we were talking about this in terms of the fantasy numbers, and it was actually pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Um, in our leagues, that was actually pretty close to what people would end up with. Yeah, 242 and 296 are very different numbers. I know. In terms of average. It really is. It's crazy. And, you know, the distribution for in, for players is pretty flat. Um, I mean, it's well... it, it approximates a Gaussian pretty well. It's well sampled around um, 269. Hmm. All right. Well, that's to give us a little overview. And this week, I want to talk about a fun exercise, quote unquote. I want to try and come up with thinking about at-bats for individual players, try and come up with a back-of-the-envelope estimate that you can do for your own players to think about how the the at-bats for individual guys are weighted relative to the rest of your team. And we know that this is important because if you try to estimate the batting average that your team will have, it's totally contingent on how many how many at-bats an individual player gets in that week. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of things can affect this, and we've sort of flirted with some of these before, and so I have three main reasons that I want to explore for how many at-bats a guy gets. One, where does the player bat in the order? We know that there's a big effect. I'm just going to list the quantification. Mm-hmm. Two... How often does that player walk? So this one is totally contingent on whether you're, if you're in an average league or an on-base percentage league. And we've we've talked about this extensively before because I've long lobbied with Joey Votto on my team for moving to an on-base percentage league. Yeah. But no one seems to be interested in that. <laughs> they seem to be interested in crushing nope. home runs. But that's fine. And then the third one, the third factor is trying to quantify what the volatility in terms of at-bats of said player is. All right, so let's take a stab at those. With those three factors in mind, I want to try and make some measure of the relative weights of different players for forecasting average. That is, does one person on your team contribute much more to batting average because they contribute to the denominator relative to somebody else? Mm -hmm. First thing, where does the player bat in the order? This is straightforward just to calculate uh, plate appearances as a function of batting order. Again, there's about a there's a maybe twenty percent swing between the first guy in the order and the last guy in the order. So batting order place one and nine. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, it's huge. So we're gonna call batting order five has if effectively no effect. And so ah, I see. Okay. Um, if you if you wanted to think about your weighting here, if you if your guy bats first, he contributes about eight percent more relative to average than the than the fifth place guy or the guy batting in fifth and if he bats consistently ninth he contributes about eight percent less than the guy batting fifth okay right so and it's a continuum between there so for instance if he bats second it's six percent more third it's four percent more four it's two percent more and so you can keep track of that and so we'll we'll 
We'll hold that and sum these all at the end. The second combinant, the second piece here is how often does a player walk? Because I was thinking about, well, what actually changes the plate appearances to, um, to at-bat ratio? So what I did was I plotted at-bats versus plate appearance and looked at the number of plate appearances with that outcome. Um, and what you see is that there's a really nice linear regression with the number of walks and the at-bat versus really plate appearance. <laughs> yeah. And so, I, I mean, I will say that I was shocked when I first plotted this. Like, whoa, that is like a clear effect. And you can see that as a guy <laughs> walks more, his at-bats to plate appearances just totally linearly relates to that. So in this case, guys that walk more are actually contributing proportionally less to your batting average. So a guy like Joey Votto, who walks a ton, but still has a good batting average, is actually less valuable in batting average because he contributes proportionally uh, less. So you really need those... Yeah, so you really need those slap hitters that people like Adam Jones, who somehow has gotten like... who's batted like 280... Yeah, over a bunch no. of years and just <laughs> never walked. That's exactly that's exactly right because you know what you're going to get, so it's more straightforward to forecast with him. Um, just to close the loop, I looked also at sacrifices. Um, not, I mean, nobody had more than twenty recorded last year, so this isn't a mm. huge effect on your at bats for plate appearances. So you don't need yeah, to okay. do you don't need to do any correction for guys on teams that might be trying to use more situationally. All right, the third factor here, though, is the problem child. What is the volatility of said player? And so for this, I, okay. took, a, I took a quick stab at four different case studies, and these are guys that I'm going to analyze the whole way through and look at how they contribute to batting average relative to a replacement player. Uh, they are guys that are important to you and me, and then two of the best yep. hitters in baseball. Okay, so Adrian Beltre and Jose Altuve both important parts of our individual teams and our individual strategy. And then last year, two of the top hitters in baseball, DJ LeMahieu and or two of the top average guys, DJ LeMahieu and Mike Trout. All right. So what we're looking for here is solely how the dispersion um, of the weekly at bats, what way the distribution tilts. So for instance, mm -hmm. you can expect that if you just look at uh, the Mike Trout curve, Mike Trout will get anywhere in a seven-game period. He'll get anywhere from twenty at bats to thirty at bats, which is a little Oof. a little disheartening. This is something that I'm going to think about a little bit more. But I took a wild stab in the dark, and it's related to how much the distribution tilts. So, for instance, um, Altuve's distribution tilts to the high end, so his average or tilts to the low end rather. So his average is pretty high, but he has a tail down to the bottom where you can get weeks like oh, I only got 17 at-bats this week. Mm. Um, and so that quantification, if you're counting on him to be peaking around 29 every week and he has a week with 17, that volatility to me is a negative when thinking about how to average him. That makes sense. So I put this, I put this all together though. And what this is saying is that Jose Altuve, Mike Trout, Adrian Beltre, they're all actually relatively neutral but for different reasons. So somebody like Mike Trout, who walked 116 times last year, that is bad for con him contributing to your average. Like, he's going to contribute less. Yeah. The only thing that saves him is that he's still batting third. But if the Angels drop him to fourth, his and his plate appearances go proportionally. 
Oh, or yeah. If they dropped him, I don't know, even crazily to fifth or something, which they would never do. But if they did, you would really have That'd to think crazy. about how he contributed to average at that point because his walks would, because his walks really hurt his number of at bats. Yeah. Oh, geez. Mike Trout is going to lose so much value. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that he's going to lose value. <laughs> I'm saying that if you are counting on, if you're counting on him so that you can pick up a scrub who is going to hit 200 yeah, but a bunch uh, of bombs. Absolutely. You have to be careful when you think about like, well, how yep. low can I go on a companion piece to Mike Trout? It turns out that the most valuable of those four is actually the NL batting champ last year, DJ LeMahieu. He bats high in the order. He bats second. He does not walk very much. And his volatility is pretty low. His distribution is nicely oh, centered. Geez. He's pretty consistent with how many at bats that he gets. So he actually is Should even have picked him up, man. He's even, I know he's even more valuable than you think he would be relative to replacement players for his average. All right, takeaways. <laughs> Any of the three adjustments can be the largest. So place in the batting order, um, how much a guy walks, or the volatility. So how much their the distribution skews in a given week. Um, and they often seem to work against each other. So like in the case of Mike Trout, it's a good thing that he bats high in the lineup because he walks a lot. But maybe if they moved him down, he would walk a little less. So it might wash out a little bit. But these, of course, are just four case studies and four, you know, these are good players on the special side for sure. Um, you got to watch out if these kind of work together. <laughs> Somebody like Byron Buxton. Luckily, he doesn't walk at all, so we don't have to worry about that. But he... Uh, <laughs> you could have you could run into a huge problem when you're trying to compute how much a guy affects your average in a given week. All right, well let's uh let's wrap this sucker up. Yeah, I wrote the Celtics. My C's <laughs> are out of round one. You know, ah, oh, geez, what a difference a week makes. <laughs> you say it like that, but you have to be careful, right? So they they successfully made it to round two. We should. Uh, we should make it not sound like they got bounced from round one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. Yeah, but no, it means you, another another week or two of me focusing on NBA. Did you watch any of Game Six? I did. The Bulls even look like they were trying to you. Oh my gosh, they looked like they were trying to hurt the Celtics. <laughs> they, I, I know. Oh my gosh, I know. They uh, they wow. Like, I mean, there were there were a couple full on. Maybe they were just bummed that hockey was over. I mean, there were some full on body checks on Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, did the Blackhawks decide to <laughs> yeah. suit up or something? I know. I don't. I mean, I know there's the Blackhawks Bruins rivalry, but come on, guys, keep it on the ice. My home away from home, Salt City, Yaz, uh, they got through <laughs> as well. I told you that was the fun series, and that was the one that went to seven. So May, I think May is going to be a heavy on the live baseball. Want to go to a Sox game? Oh, when are you going to be out here? We got to do that. I um I might be in town next week, next Friday. Want to go to a game? Ooh, we gotta make some plans. I think I could be down for that. It could. I think it's the Rays. So That's... you know, baseball at its best. Are they going to be pitching a lefty? Oh, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is it, is your buddy is is the dick gonna be out? <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that I'm going to go to go do a lot of baseball. The Red Sox are in uh, Minneapolis this weekend. Okay. Uh, so I'm excited about that, yeah. And, um, yeah, hopefully I see a lot of baseball this month. Could be a good month for that, for sure. 
All right, well, I think that brings us to our review session. Continuing the trend of talking about trendy foods, pork belly. I, I want to hear your opinion first. So when I was a kid, and we would have the can of baked beans, mm. there's always that little chunk of pork, be- pork belly at the top. I thought that was that was probably one of my... 10 favorite foods. Just that chunk of pork belly. And then all of a sudden it got really trendy and it's just used everywhere as like a replacement for for bacon uh-huh. or like as a just like a fun garnish. Not a fan of that. Not if it never tastes good. It never tastes like someone has full measure like thought through how they're going to be using pork belly and quite frankly the only time that it's good is in a can of baked beans i completely agree the baked beans baked beans oh so good i mean i i wouldn't say that it necessarily was always on top or maybe i just dropped the cans of beans pretty frequently but i i recall you know <laughs> fishing around in there like it's got to be here somewhere oh and, yeah you always <laughs> had to fish around <laughs> and uh and i agree just give me some bacon man i i don't need to i don't need to mess around with like big slabs. I I mean, I will take rendered pork fat any day and you know, you can render an awful lot of pork fat out of pork belly, but oh yeah, you can. If I'm going to be eating it straight up, no, give me bacon. All right, so that means that when we start our our restaurant or even when we start our cafe, you know, <laughs> everything but medium roast cafe, <laughs> we will serve we will serve a Baked bean infused pork belly sandwich, maybe. Wow, we how would that how would that go? We we're really we're really going, but we have established no quinoa. No no quinoa on the side. No, <laughs> no, thank you. We'll find it. We'll find everybody a different side. But yes, yeah, I think uh, I think this this season is really going to teach us what our cafe is going to be all about. Yeah, what we're going to be serving at the at the cafe. How do you like that? How do you like that name? Everything but medium roast. No, that's. I mean, it's it's so true to us. <laughs> yeah. All right. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter. Fantasy Tools Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again. Mind the Z. All I've got left is, where's the luck to you, buddy? Where's the luck to you, too?